Well, dear church family, this evening um, I'm going to um, have to have a pause on our Bible study um, in the life of Joseph because I rather foolishly lost my bag, which I had prepared the sermon <laughs> along with my books uh, and quite a few other th- things. So please forgive me uh, for my folly. Uh, I've just quickly prepared a sermon this evening. Uh, on a subject which is very close, just an individual subject which is very close to my heart. And that really is the the absolute need for every true uh, church of Jesus Christ to be a labouring fellowship and a serving church. A true working church, a serving and a labouring fellowship, which actually is quite rare nowadays, where, where all the members... Of, ch- of a church, or certainly the greater part of the church membership, are all labouring together in the Lord for the same purpose, really. That's a subject which has very much been deep on my heart for many years now. But it is a, a, a sad reality, is it not, that so many churches now, particularly in the West, have more resources and more finances than their predecessors have in the past. And, and yet, our godly forefathers accomplished so much more, didn't they? In terms of missions and in terms of, uh, in terms of what they did for the Lord. And it re- really is a reproach upon us these days, the days that we're living in. The biblical concept of the working and labouring fellowship really has been lost nowadays, hasn't it? Where everyone in a fellowship really is wholeheartedly serving the Lord. I, I thank the Lord that, that that spirit is not amongst us, that as a fellowship that we really have embraced that, that, uh, that, that concept of a labouring and, and, and uh, a serving fellowship. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 58, believers are to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labour is not in vain, in the Lord. Of course, it's in vain in this world, isn't it? As we know from Solomon, that all the things really which are done for ourselves, for the vanities of this world, on that great day of the Lord's return, they're just going to mean absolutely nothing. They're going to pale into insignificance. But everything that is done for Christ, with a true heart of love to the Lord, for all that he's done for us, will that truly is going to last, doesn't it? There is a reward for the godly, friends. Don't let anyone tell you that there's not a reward for the godly. There is absolutely a reward for the godly. And it is always such a joy, is it not, to see new members coming into a church and a fellowship, and they have this great joy in service. And I just praise the Lord for that. That's that, that we see new believers coming in, the Lord has endowed them with great gifts in the ministry or for evangelism or practical skills and kindness and so many other things. And the Lord is just, they come in and they ask, how can I serve the Lord? I'm in. I want to serve the Lord. What else can I do? There's this hunger and this desire for the Lord to be used of the Lord. And it reminds me, does it not, of Zacharias and Elizabeth and Luke 1 who were labouring under great providential uh, disappointments, 
weren't they? For years and years and years, great afflictions, dark providences. Remember, Elizabeth was barren, wasn't she? Uh, Right up into her old age. And, uh, of course, being a Jewish woman, this must have been, and and, and a, a sincere and devout believer, this must have been really heartbreaking for her. And yet, both Zacharias and Elizabeth were found absolutely faithful and dedicated to the Lord's service, to the temple service, despite these afflictions, despite these dark providences, despite these things, uh, these disappointments overshadowing them for so many years. And it was in their service of love and faith to the Lord that their, their prayers were answered. Friends, and this is true really of, of all true believers. It's actually often our prayers are answered when we wholeheartedly give ourselves by faith and by God's grace in service. And of course, we saw the, 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 their prayers were answered, didn't we? John the Baptist, uh, that most godliest of man, besides, of course, the Lord Jesus, the God man, there is a reward for the godly isn't there? There is a reward for seeking the Lord, for serving the Lord wholeheartedly. The psalmist says in Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? That our, 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 the, the clouds, the dark clouds of this world can sometimes block our spiritual vision, can't they? They can distract us from actually serving the Lord with gladness, from getting the joy in service. We can perhaps become like Jonah, can't we, and shrink, as it were, and run away and go in the opposite direction. Or we can become like Elijah, we can become weary, and perhaps a little bit even self-pitying, dear friends. It can happen to all of us. Romans 12.21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That is the only way to truly live the Christian life, is to overcome evil, which is all around us, and which is within us with the old man, is to, is to, is to cling on by God's grace to Christ, to have short accounts with him, to love him, to serve him in love. And I fear the reason why so many believers are often overcome with evil so often is because they are not fighting God's battles. They're just not fighting God's battles. And that godly man, David, that man after God's own heart, knew this by sad experience. Most of his life he was fighting God's battles, mightily used of the Lord. But when, of course, he became king, didn't he? Complacency hit home and instead of going all fighting God's battles what was he doing he's on the rooftop wasn't he and dear friends this is true all of us have experienced this uh, where we're not fighting God's battles where we're not wholeheartedly serving the Lord personally from our hearts from our minds in our homes in the church of Jesus Christ dear friends we know that the, the devil is right there Often, when we, when we let these things slip. You see, friends, if we're not going forward in the Christian race, in the Christian faith, we're going backwards, aren't we? And there's no middle ground as a Christian. We must understand that. We're either going forward 
and growing in Christian service and in love, or we're going backwards. If you're not serving the Lord with gladness and joy, you're doing so with coldness, aren't you? And we know from Revelation what happens when, when that continues for a while. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says that if any man would not work, neither should he eat. And this, of course, is true, spiritually speaking. Why should Christ break the bread of life to us if our heart is not in it, if we're not wholeheartedly obeying the command to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And so, friends, this is true spiritually speaking, is it not? Those who do not labor by faith in the Lord, they, they do not eat, do they? That often those who disengage in the work of the local church, that often their prayers are hindered. As it says in Amos, woe to them that are in ease in Zion. A lack of heart in the Lord's service often leads to a believer's being easily distracted with vain, vain pursuits, preoccupied, often becoming disorderly, often becoming complacent, and often becoming indulgent in secular things, which often leads to them being spiritually dissatisfied. They're still believers, but they're spiritually dissatisfied. They're spiritually unfulfilled. And we think of, of people like Michal, Saul's daughter in 2 Samuel 6, when she saw David coming back with the ark of the Lord and, and David dancing and with that great joy and zeal in bringing the ark back. He made mistakes. He didn't bring it as he was supposed to with, with, with the Levites, wasn't he? He brought it irreverently on the cart and, and Uzziah touched it. And, 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 and he was punished for it and he learned his lesson. So he didn't bring it irreverently on the cart again. He, he, he made the Levites carry it carefully, zealously, holy, as it were. And, and he took off his priestly clothes. That's, he didn't want people to know him as a, as a great king. But, but as a servant of the Lord, he had his, he has almost his Levitical priesthood on, didn't he? And he was dancing before the Lord, bringing the covenant, the ark of the Lord back. And Michal looked out the window and she saw him, didn't she, dancing before the ark of the Lord. And she despised him in, in, his, in her heart, didn't she? Why? Because of a zeal for the Lord. There was a, an envying, a zeal, a, 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 a hatred of that. This is the king dancing, dancing like that. He, he's a king. Why is he doing that? You see, dear friends, no wonder why that most fervent of all apostles, the Apostle Paul, used those verbs in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight: Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because there is a danger that Satan tempts us to do the opposite, doesn't he? To not be steadfast, to be movable, to be easily persuaded. To shrink, as it were, from the service. To be preoccupied. To be complacent. And friends, we must give ourselves to the work of the Lord. And there will be many people and things that will seek to distract us from this. 
Many discouragers. We must give ourselves to the work of the Lord. Why? Because it will be to our spiritual good and our spiritual health. And by God's grace, it will be to the good of countless other souls. Many, many souls, millions of souls are on their way to hell. Do we believe in that? Are we moved out of love for them? This is our reasonable service. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. When we are saved, we are commissioned, aren't we? We are those the Lord saves. He calls, he commissions. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to him, don't we? God never ever saves anyone who he did not commission. 1 John 3, 16 and 17 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever have this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And I know this particular passage is speaking, of course, about a heartfelt Christian charity amongst God's people, especially those who fall upon difficult times and need uh, God's people to, to, to help to give that compassionate gift. But surely also this can be applied to serving the Lord through the local church. There's a fight on, isn't there? There, there is a spiritual warfare going on. And, and it's sad to say that many people just decide to sit back and they see other people in the fight, as it were, and they think, oh, that looks ugly. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to commit that much because I might get hurt. I, I, I might lose some of these other things in my life. I might, I might have to give up these other things in my life. I don't want to get that far into the fight because it's going to cost me so much. Yea, it's going to cost me my life. I'm going to have to give up all these hobbies and these, and these other things. There is a real selfishness behind that, isn't there? And sadly, friends, many Christians nowadays have just become casual observers. Pew, pew warmers, effectively. And I'm not speaking, I'm not speaking about those who are unable to. Don't get me wrong. There are legitimate reasons why some people can't serve, you know, in, in, a se- in that, that sense. That there are, there are ailments and there are perhaps distance issues from the church and, and real reasons why. And often those, those people, our heart goes out to them because they are prayer warriors and they, they're great encouragers. And, and what they do do is a, of a great blessing. And, and we know of such, don't we? And we praise the Lord for them. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about those who are well able to serve the Lord, but they choose not to commit. Just perhaps to do a little tithing, attend a little, and that's it. And how sad, friends, how this must grieve the Holy Spirit who wants to use every single believer and their gifts in in holy service to the Lord. God uses means, doesn't he? He uses means. He uses people are his primary means. We are like instruments in his hand, 
in, in the, in the Christ-honouring home and in the Christ-honouring local church, church that spreads and shows the gospel and the word from faith to faith. And those who never fully commit to the Lord in this sense, in heartfelt love and Christian service to the, through the local church, you've got to really ask yourself that question. Have they truly known the Lord? I'm not talking about people who've perhaps up and down, but people who for years and years and years and years never truly commit. Do they truly know the Lord? Or, or is this just a lack, a great lack of faith? I'm not talking about the weak either who struggle with certain things. I'm talking about people who are well able and and learned as it were. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That is, to any believer, that is a terrible thing, isn't it? That's the worst thing, that, that the Lord will take no pleasure in us if we draw back in, in the Christian service. And of course we must not be ignorant of Satan's devices and those who follow his devices to, to try to discourage us from the work of the church. And how does he do this? How does Satan do this? Well, as we know, Satan is a coward, isn't he? He's a coward. He will often try to dampen one zeal and use for the Lord by try, trying to get them through loved ones. That Satan often does that. He'll try to get, get to believers who are zealous for the Lord through loved ones. Remember Job's wife. Remember Job lost everything, didn't he, in that one tragic day. And, and a man can take many things in this life, can he not? But when, when those most nearest and dearest turn on him and, and they almost turn, try to turn him against their, his God, that's the worst thing, isn't it? They, they can cope with losing houses, work, fine. But when actually the, the, the loved ones start turning on them, and that's what really happened to Job. Curse God, Job. Curse him. And what was Job's response? Job's response was, you're speaking like one of the worldly women. In other words, what's come over you? Obviously, she, was, she was, had a lot of grief. She had lost everything, but Job puts her right. You're speaking like a worldly woman. Shall God not render to us evil as well as good? We've enjoyed a good. Lord, the Lord has blessed us, and now we're in a dark providence. These things are happening for a reason. He knew the character of God, did he not? And, and it's... Do you know, it's such a great joy when you see believers and they, the, the devil is throwing everything at them. The, the devil is, is trying to get to them through loved ones, trying to divide uh, and, and all the influences of this world, and yet they are still spent for the Lord. They love the Lord because they, they're aware of these things. That is a great joy, isn't it? And we know of, of, of those amongst us, do we not? That's a great joy to see, friends. And that is admirable and honourable. And that labour of love will always be rewarded in the Lord. Always. There will always be fruit in that. I remember my brother Jason giving me some excellent counsel as a young Christian. Uh, There were so many things, pressures upon me. It seemed everywhere in my life. And he told me just these, these few words. 
guard your zeal for the Lord. And I'll never forget that. It was the, it was the most critical advice I needed at the time. And it was such a, such a blessing to me. And of course, that is not only the, the, that is not only the one fiery, fiery dart, isn't it, which Satan uses. He uses loved ones to try to get through, to stop the people being zealous for him, believers being zealous for him. There's also other ways he tries to discourage believers from serving the Lord wholeheartedly. Another growing tactic is his puffing up of pastors and church leaders in this very much celebrity, virtually signaling culture that we live in. That's another way that he does so. To free puffing up pastors and church leaders. And there are many, as it were, a diatrophies who love to have the preeminence amongst men, amongst people. And it would seem that their ministry is more about them than the honouring of Christ, isn't it? Their, their congregations are often known by their pastors' names, aren't they? Rather than the godliness and the fervent zeal of their fellowships. Well, that church in California, that, that name always comes up. Not the, the, the church. Not the, if you go to the church, there's actually there's probably lots of worldly people there. Probably a, a handful of people actually wholeheartedly serving the Lord. Be careful, friends, of big names. Big names will lead you astray. Be very careful. You will very rarely hear such men compelling and stirring up believers in wholehearted service and devotion to the Lord because they want the attention. Their ministry is all about them, not the Lord. And sadly, when, when you do get young and zealous believers who want to be used of the Lord in such churches, they are crushed, aren't they? They are crushed because their zeal is seen as a threat to them. And such pastors almost, almost play the, the soul game upon them because, because they, don't, well, they see someone, like, well, a lot of people, he's gaining attention. Not, he doesn't want the attention, but they're crushed. And I've, seen, I've actually seen this and I've noticed this in many places. I've seen believers who were so zealous for the Lord and, and leaders have crushed them. It's all about them, as it were. Listen to me. And not encouraging them and building them up. And such believers have actually left sound, doctrinally sound churches and gone into the charismatic side of things. They've been crushed. Because really... Someone really has, has, has showed their lack of zeal. And these things happen, friends. It's, it's almost as if, it's sad to say, that many people think that the faith should die with them. And we know from Moses, do we not, that the word will continue on, conquering. And of course, if we were holding to the word of God, it will not surprise us, will it not? That as our culture continues to grow darker and iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, as we're told. Parents and grandparents, it must be said, have a grave responsibility in this respect. Children can see right through half-heartedness, can't they, in the Lord's service, in serving through the local church. And this will speak volumes to them. 
despite being taught good doctrine, they could be taught all the best doctrine in the world, but it must be backed up by a life that is wholehearted for the Lord. The best doctrine in the world, if, if, it's not, if their faith is not shown wholeheartedly before the, the Lord, it's all in vain, is it, is it not? Faith in action is what our young people need. They need to see that our, our faith and our doctrine actually mean something. And I, I, and I speak of myself here, that, that when things go wrong in my family, I, I come before the Lord because I know often it begins with me. That if there's something that's happened, some sin or something's happened in the family, I question myself. Have I let something slip? And there, there must be some close examining with my own heart here before the Lord. We need to be honest about these things, do we not? True believers are members of Christ's body. Ephesians 4.16 we read earlier, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every, every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That is a... a, a a verse that needs great study, doesn't it? And meditation upon. Church growth and blessing is attributed here not to just one or two members of the church, but it is attributed to the whole body of believers. Every member has a part to play. In the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The working church, the, the laboring fellowship, the serving fellowship, everyone wholeheartedly giving themselves heartily to the Lord, being joined together in Christian service and love for the Lord with Christ as our head enables us to effectually work towards the spiritual growth and increase and blessing of the whole body, isn't it? And I believe that is a real reason why we are growing as a fellowship. Slowly but surely, the Lord is adding to our number because we understand this principle that, that we are being stirred up individually to serve the Lord from the heart. We're not just depending on one man or, or two men or whatever it is. We all have a part to play here. God has given gifts to all of us. If members of the local body of Christ become complacent and, and do as Demas did, and we can all have complacencies, the whole body suffers as a result of it, doesn't it? The whole body. It's like having, having a, a leg or an arm out of joint, having an organ that doesn't work, that having an injury on your eye. It's, it's like something in the body not working. And that means that, like a body of flesh, it, it means that the other members of, of your body have to work harder, don't they? And, and have to be, compensate for that. And you, and you think in, the, in this day and age where actually cr true believers and, and, and heartfelt believers are, are rare, committed believers. It's so rare. And often you have just a few people in a fellowship. I'm not talking about here. We, I think we, we're quite fortunate here. But in a lot of fellowship, you just have a number of people who are holding up. And it's, it's almost like a cripple. You, you know, and they're bearing up, as it were. And I tell you now, friends, there will be very few mavericks 
in glory, will they not? Very few people that detach themselves away from the Lord and just go their own way, despite their heavy conscience and who proudly just want to go their own way. There'll be very few mavericks in glory. And beloved, there is much work for us to do in the Lord. The whole body, we're told here, is fitly joined together. God has perfectly, fit, fitly joined every member perfectly to the working and edifying and growth of the church, of his bride, of his body. The, the, everyone has perfect, has been given gifts, whether you're a doorman, whether you're a preacher, whether you're an evangelist, whether you're whatever your ministry is, is perfectly fitted. We just got to cry, Lord, use me, whatever it is, use me. I desire to be used in your kingdom. David said in Psalm 84:10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand, and I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He, he gives us quite a contrast here, David, doesn't he? Because he says, I'd, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God a lowly position, but an, a God-honoring position, and, 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 and a position which, is, which is, is incredibly needful than to dwell in the, in the tents of, the, of wickedness. In other words, if you're not being kept busy in the Lord's service, inevitably, you're going to be kept busy in the tents of wickedness, aren't you? That's going to happen. There's only one or the other way. You either gather or you scatter. Do you and I pray to be used of the Lord do we pray or or are we more of a complainer or of an argumentative spirit you see if we're praying to the Lord God please use me Lord I want I, I sincerely want to because you loved me you gave yourself for me I'm yours I want to be used surely those prayers will be answered surely the Lord will work in the bowels of men, surely God will move in, in consciences and weigh heavy upon them and open up doors. Of course, He will. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 58. The word labor here really has in mind incredibly hard. Oil. That's what it has in mind. Very, very painful at times. Hard toil. That's why we can often use the expression laboring in the word. Of course, it's a joy, but it's 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 the labor here has in mind hard toil. It's a strong word, labor. It signifies a worker that is pressed with much toil, with much labor, with much pain. Remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1. We, we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. That's, this is the sense that we get here. A laboring that they've counted the cost. I'm all in now. I'm laboring with everything I've got for the Lord. Are we in the spiritual fight on all fronts? In my heart, in my mind, in my soul, in the home, in the church of Jesus Christ? Are we contending for the faith? Are we in the race, as it were? These are all words that relay to heartfelt 
toil and pain and exertion and labor, do they not? All these signify labor. And it's not a dirty word. It's almost become like a dirty word in a Reformed faith. We have a duty of love. It's become like, it's almost become in the Reformed faith like, I'm on autopilot. It's not the sense here. We, we have a duty of love. There's things that we've got to do. These words relay our duty of love. Yes, we've been converted. Yes, we're in the Lord. Now we need to get on with it. <laughs> we need to serve the Lord with all our hearts. Let's be real about it. Beloved, our labor in the Lord and in his service is not in vain. Where it's not in vain, there is a great crowning final day in view for the true believer, for every despised, laborsome, wearisome servant of the Lord. And dearly beloved, let us keep those coals upon the altar of our hearts burning fervently for the Lord and for his, his gospel and for heartfelt service. Let this not be done with compulsion, but willingly, with a heart willing to serve the Lord. And let us find the joy in this, the joy in service. I always say to my children, I say it to myself, by the way, as well, find the joy in washing up. Find the joy in these things. There must be a joy in them. Joy in peeling the potatoes, I say that to myself. We need to get the joy in this, don't we? We need to get the spirit in this. If the spirit is not in this and the joy is is in this, it can grow cold. We must get the the joy in this. And countless millions of souls, like I said, they're on their way to a terrifying eternity in hell, friends. Let not the, the blood, let not their blood be upon our hands. That we're never made an effort to make Christ and his gospel known through want of supporting and serving the local church. And as we know, friends, there, there is true joy in this. There's nothing, I, there's no greater joy, is there, than seeing souls being saved. Nothing, nothing compares to that. All the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth more than 99 persons. There's no greater joy than seeing someone truly coming to salvation and to seeing that great burden being lifted lift off and that great change of heart and that dedication to the Lord and, and his great eternal purposes. And don't, do we not feel that amongst us? No matter what we're doing, if we're helping with the audio, if we're, if we're on the door, if we're ministering or if we're evangelizing, if we're just practice, showing practical hospitality and kindness, there is great joy in that because we know that every labor heartfeltly done and sincerely done the Lord marks in his book that there is a reward for the godly and so friends our labour in the Lord is not in vain there is joy there is great peace of conscience there is spiritual fulfilment is there not in the Lord's service let us not grow weary in well doing and in the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, 23 through 24. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. If, if, it, is, if it is always to the Lord, dear friends, then we'll, great, we'll, we'll get great joy from that. If we do it for, unto men, there won't be joy in our service. 
knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.